We are in Genesis 27 today. So if you want to grab some Bibles, we have some Bibles floating around or you open up your phone. We're going to be in Genesis 27 verses 18 through 38. And today what we're going to learn is that words that we speak are blessings. And words we so long to hear can be blessings to us. So here we go. Look, 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 look at me. I got you. Words as blessings are meant to bring us back to Eden. All right, more specifically, we learned that, here, here you go, come on, come on, come on. Words spoken by leaders or by parents or people of influence or people in your life like your friends or your family, those words can give shape to you and you can use those words to give shape to others and change people's destiny. No big deal. In other words, words are important. So there's an essential message for you today. If you are a leader, if you are someone of influence, if you are a parent, that there's an important message for you today. And if you have a parent or have ever had a parent, which all of you have, then you need to hear something very important today. If you've ever been hurt by somebody with their words, there's a very important message for you to hear today. Before I read these verses, i got to give you a background of everything that's leading up to this point in our verses. So, we are looking today at this very strange story between these two brothers named Jacob and Esau. And what is going on in this story is they are fighting over something called a birthright and over blessings. It's this strange story that we don't fully really understand or grasp. So, let me tell you what's brought us up to this point. So, so watch this. Adam and Eve are in Eden. And while in Eden, they lose something. They reject something. Their birthright. In other words, they reject sitting underneath the rule in the reign of God their father. And they'd rather be out from underneath it. And because they reject that birthright, they then lose the blessing of Eden. They lose the presence of God and everything is ruined. But God makes a promise to them. He says, through you, you're going to have a son or your son's going to have a son on and on and on. And that son will be the rescuer of the world and he will restore the birthright and bring you back into Eden, back into the blessings that you so long to have in the presence of God. So we fast forward to that, to the story of Abraham. We pick up and God says to Abraham, Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In other words, through you, there's going to come a son, and he is going to bring everybody back to Eden. He's going to be the rescuer. So finally, Abraham has a son. His name is Isaac. And very little attention is given to poor Isaac in the story. And very quickly, we move on to Isaac's two sons in the story today, Jacob and Esau. And so here's what it goes down. Jacob's trying to have a kid, it's not, or Isaac's trying to have a kid, it's not working, and finally he does. And his wife, Rebecca, becomes pregnant with twins. And they start fighting in her womb. Like, she's feeling it, and she's like, what is happening to me inside of me? And so they're fighting, and we find out, what, here's what's happening. They're fighting over who's going to come out first. And God talks of them and says, 
to Isaac and Rebekah, the younger will serve, no, the younger will be leader over the older. In other words, the older serving the younger. Now, that's not what happened. So it's all about this strange word that we don't understand, birthright. And here's what happened back then. So a birthright meant you are the leader of the family. You are the, the oldest brother. And what happened is if somebody had the birthright, let's say the inheritance, it could be, let's say there's five boys. That inheritance would be divided up in six ways, and the oldest son would have a double portion. And the rest of them would just have one portion. Unless there was two brothers, and if there were two brothers, sometimes what would happen is the oldest brother would get everything, and the youngest brother wouldn't get anything. And that's what seems to be happening in our story with Jacob and Esau. So they start fighting about who's going to get out first. And here's what actually happens. It's kind of weird. So Jacob reaches his arm out first. They tie a ribbon around it. And then his arm goes back in. And then Esau ends up coming out first. So Esau becomes the older brother. I mean, this fight for the birthright is real. And so today what we start to see is that this produces a very dysfunctional family that are fighting over power inheritance and blessing and specifically they begin to fight over these words for blessing i got to set this story up i got to before i get in the text so here here you go there's something about words that we need to realize that they are powerful they shape us and they have some sort of control over our destiny and i realize that sounds extreme but it's meant to so here's the question. What's more powerful, the pen or the sword? And the answer is the pen. Because words cause men with swords to leave their homes and go out and fight. So words are more powerful than swords. And today you need to know that there are words that you long to hear, that you have not yet heard. And these words, words can have a positive or negative result. And here's what, what has probably happened to all of you, is you have at some point heard some negative words. And these negative words have set you out on a pilgrimage to find some redemption from the words that have spoken to you or about you. And what you are doing now in your life is you are fighting to escape from those words that have been spoken about you and that have hurt you to the core. You want to get back to Eden, and, your, and words are the way there. So here we go. Here's our text, Genesis 27, verses 18 through 38. So we got quite a few verses to read, so stick with me here. So he went into his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Now here's what's going on. Isaac is about to try to steal the birthright that is meant for Esau, his older brother. And his father is blind, so he's going to go in and trick him. So... Jacob walks in, he says, hey, 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 father, and he says, here I am, who are you, my son? And Jacob says to his father, tricking him, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me, now sit up and eat of my game, and your soul may bless me. But Jacob said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? So basically Esau went out to go, get some, to go kill some game, bring it back in for his father to eat. Jacob's pretending that he's Esau and brought that into him. And he says, oh, I got it quickly because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Jacob said, Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. 
So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See the smell of my son, is as is the smell of the field that the Lord is blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be anyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of his, Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, he shall be blessed. And as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has treated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice, and he wept. All right. Five things we're going to learn from this. First, the power of words. Second, the problem of words. Third, the challenge of words. Fourth, the use of words. And fifth, our need for words. So the power of words. We got to ask what's going on here. Because the story is strange for us and it doesn't make any sense in the culture that we live in. So if we're going to understand it, we got to understand these words birthright and, these word, and this word blessing. So what we have here, this birthright and blessing is being spoken over Jacob, but it's meant to be Esau's because he is the first son and his father thinks, Isaac the father thinks he's about to die. So he's got to give it to one of his sons. So he gives it to Esau, think, give it, gives it to Jacob thinking that he's giving it to Esau. Jacob steals it all. How's he, how's it, it's so strange. How did, look at how he steals it. He gets the words. Now, why in the world doesn't Isaac just say, ah, oh, we've been tricked by that pesky Jacob again. Esau, get back in here. I got to fix what I've done. He, he doesn't seem to believe that he can fix what has happened here. 
Now, why is this? Well, well, it kind of means that once words come out, they're already out, so you can't take them back. That's true to a degree, but what's really going on here is that, I alluded to this earlier, God has promised that the younger son will be the one who gets the birthright and the blessing. But Isaac's been ignoring it. He's been fighting it. And finally, he has come to the realization that when God says something, it happens. That's really what's going on here. When God says that he will do something, it's going to happen, and it doesn't matter who tries to get in the way. So that's the first thing we got to see. The second thing we got to understand is what does this word blessing mean? What is actually Jacob getting here? So I'm going to give you a definition of blessing. The word blessing has many definitions to it. It's like a diamond with many facets. So the specific facet we're looking at in this text tells us this. Blessing is all about getting back to Eden. It's about receiving these words that give Jacob the birthright, that make him the person who through all of the nation, all of the families of the earth will be blessed by him to get us back to Eden. And so Here's a more complicated definition. Blessings are words spoken by people of authority over us that change our character and our destiny. Words are blessings that move us back to Eden. Words hold power. And there's very much here a lesson of wisdom in this text, but let me read to you. Let me just read to you from Proverbs. Three Proverbs. First one. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Then look at James 3.5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. All right. Words of blessing are not just about these nice words that are spoken to people that are like, oh, you look nice today, or oh, you're such a nice person. Oh, thank you for blessing me. That's not what this is about. This is about someone who knows you to the core. They know you from the inside out, and they have some type of authority over you in your life, some type of influence, and they speak words to you that direct you back to the land that you so long to be in, Eden. These words give Jacob this responsibility of the birthright. He has just been given the responsibility to bring the world back to Eden. It's all on him right now. Words are blessings, and it's given to him by his father. So look, words are blessings, and the impact of those blessings are, have a direct correlation to the authority and influence of the person who spoke them over you. So, we see this, that Isaac, look, look, look at this, it's, it's got to be destroying Jacob. Everybody is aware in this story, it even says it, that Esau is the favorite son. Jacob knows it very well. Jacob knows that he's number two, number two. And I'm sure words have been spoken all throughout his life that make him very aware that he is less worthy in his father's eyes than his older brother Esau. 
and it shapes both of these men into the character that they have. And Jacob would have probably spent most of his life trying to earn love and acceptance from his father. But he's not getting it. He's clearly the number two. And along with that, do you know what the word Jacob means? Deceiver. Do you see what he's doing in these verses? He's deceiving. So he's been told his whole life that he's a deceiver, and he lives into the destiny that, he has, that has been pronounced over him over and over and over again. And Isaac has been saying he's going to bless his oldest son, Esau, over and over and over again. But a few chapters back, you know what happens? God says that he's going to bless Jacob, and Jacob's going to be the one who has the birthright. Look, 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 you got to see this here. God's words hold more weight than Isaac's. Therefore, what God says is going to happen, happens, no matter who gets involved. The degree of influence and power that someone has in the words that they speak to you have a direct correlation to the character that you take on and the destiny that you live into. Oftentimes, words have a power that do the exact opposite thing. They give you an anti-blessing. That's what happens with Jacob. He's called deceiver, and he lives into this. You call someone a liar enough, they become a liar. You call them a deceiver enough, they become a deceiver. Especially if you are his father. If you call someone this long enough, they will live into this. But look at what else happens. There's another problem. This is our second point, the problem of words. So look, Isaac had heard the words from God that Jacob is to be the one who is blessed and have the birthright. But Isaac fights it. Esau fights it. Isaac wanted it to be Esau. Esau was a man's man. He was the most obvious candidate to rule the family. He was the most obvious candidate to care for the family after Isaac passes away. He was a hunter. Isaac, Isaac wanted it to be Esau, and Jacob was like a mama's boy. Esau was the man's man. But look, look at this. God is always working with the unexpected person. He's always working with the underdog. He's always working with those who are weak so that he could show the power of his word so that when we know God says something, it doesn't matter who's involved, it is happening. But Isaac fights the words because Isaac wants it to be Esau. And then watch what happens to Esau. Because Isaac has been fighting these words ignoring the words of God, it means that now Esau, who's sitting underneath the authority of his father, keep hearing his father ignore God's words, that's exactly what Esau begins to do. Esau begins to ignore the words of God. He's paying no attention that God has said Jacob is the one who's supposed to get this birthright, and he just keeps on going for it. In fact, Esau goes and marries these women who are not part of the lineage of which he's supposed to marry in order to bring us back to Eden. In other words, Esau wants nothing to do with this birthright. 
He doesn't care for it. He just wants the blessing. Doing the same exact thing that Adam and Eve were doing when they wanted under, out from underneath the birthright that they'd been given by God. All right. So let's just make this really practical. Esau looks like the typical dude that walks into church. His wife has brought him there. His kids have been going. He really doesn't want to be there, but he's just going to go ahead and go because he would rather not fight about it. And the words that he's hearing are kind of being dismissed. They're kind of being ignored because he doesn't want to sit underneath the authority of God. Same is true for Esau. That's exactly what he's doing. Now, Jacob is different. He's seeking the blessing. He's seeking the birthright, but he's a mess. And he's a mess because the person who held the greatest authority of his li- in his life, his father, had spoken words to him that messed him all up. And you often will see this with Christians. They're still in recovery from words that have been spoken by people who hold some type of authority over their life, and it has messed them all up. Whether it's parents, a lover, a spouse, someone who's rejected them, some type of boss, whoever it might be, has messed them all up. See, they are a Christian, and they've given a lot of weight to what God has said about them, but they are still scarred by words that have been spoken by people of influence over them. This is the problem of words. They can become anti-blessings. And you've all experienced this to some degree. There have been words that have been spoken to you that have caused you hurt, pain, wounds that have yet to be healed. Why do you think so many people have daddy issues? Because the father is meant to hold the authority as the leader of the family, and his words are important, and he's potentially speaking words, without even realizing it, that are harming his kids. You know, it should terrify us as dads, by the way. And so what happens is people spend the rest of their life trying to redeem themselves from words that have been spoken by the person who is the most important for them in their life. That's why some of you are working so hard. Because somewhere along the line, someone told you you weren't good enough, you weren't smart enough, you weren't talented enough, and so you're working like a dog to prove everybody wrong. And some of you are approval junkies. Because someone along the line that was important to you disapproved of you, and because of that, you so long to just find some redemption from those words that have been spoken. And you get close, and like 10 people compliment you, you've been working so hard to get the compliments, and they finally come, and you feel so good about it, and then one person says one thing, and it just messes you all up, all over again. Why? Because you have a wound, and that wound has been opened up. It's like a football player, professional football player gets hurt, spends a year on the sidelines, finally gets back in the game, but he's got that, that injury. As soon as that injury gets hit, that's a sensitive spot, he goes down again. It's the same thing for you. That wound gets opened back up when that word is spoken, and it destroys you. Some of you are obsessed with the way you look. Or something about the way you look, because there's some, at some point you looked in the mirror and you didn't like what you saw. 
And then somebody said something and pointed out something that you didn't like what you saw and you are spending your whole life just trying to cover it up and you just walk by the mirror and you look at it again and you're like, oh man, it's there. I don't like this about me. You can't get over it. Because those words were spoken by you and people in your life. Sticks and stones do break your bones and words do something worse. They break you. They break your heart. They break your will to go on, and they break your mind, and they turn you into something that you are not meant to be. And those words are on repeat, and you can't seem to turn that track off. And words are not only a problem, but they're also a challenge for us. So we're going to move in a little positive direction now. They're a challenge for us, especially when they come from God. So there's this great challenge that Esau has. And it's a challenge that you have, the will of God. The will of God over your own will. So Jacob's the weaker mama's boy, but it's God's will that he has the birthright. And because Esau and Isaac the father can't submit to God's will, it causes ruin in this family. The whole family gets messed up. And in the end, Esau tries to kill Jacob. Jacob has to flee. Esau leaves too. Rebecca's left without any of her kids anymore, and her, her life feels like a disaster, all because Isaac and Esau could not submit to what God wanted. This is a tremendous faith issue for Isaac and for Esau. They didn't want what God wanted. They cared nothing for what God wanted. They just wanted what they wanted. Esau is impulsive, and he seeks what he wants. Here's the point. Not submitting to God's will and the words of his will will cause disrest in your life, conflict, jealousy, anger, ruin, and dysfunction. I'll, I'll explain that, but look, this is the classic tale of two brothers fighting for the same thing, two girls fighting over the same guy, or two friends competing for the same status. I remember, so this happened to me, so the church where I was before, I was a worship leader, so I did what Corey does, I did what Ed does, and I wrote songs, and so that's what I, like, that was my thing, I write songs, so we set up a little studio, and we started recording, and I encouraged somebody else to start writing songs, and he did, and they were good, and I got jealous, and I couldn't shake it, and I hated it, but it would not go away, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Something in your career, somebody starts rising up, they're putting pressure on you, and you start getting this feeling of jealousy, and you don't like it. Or you see the success of somebody else, and you don't like it. And it starts feeling horrible. Or, someone looks prettier than you. This is, this is a girl thing. So, girls get obsessed with the way other girls look. Why is that? Well, think about what our culture does. Our culture objectifies women and places value on them based off of the way they look. And so when girls walk in a room, what's the first thing they do? They look for other girls to see what they look like to figure out who's the most worthy person in that room. Now here's my point in all this. God has a will for our lives. And he has a trajectory for every single person. And for some times, that means that people get the birthright. 
They get the success that you wanted, but it's God's will. And so you have two options. You can fight God's will, or you could rest knowing that God is in charge and everything's okay still. What Esau should have done is submit to God's will and let Jacob take the birthright, because why? Why, would, why should he do that? Because he who is blessed is always a blessing to others. We've been learning about that and talking about that with Abraham. We are blessed to be a blessing. Jacob is blessed to be a blessing to Esau, but when Esau tries to take the birthright that is supposed to be his, it leads to ruin for him, he has to leave his family, and everything falls apart. God's will will come. But if you fight it, it's going to lead to jealousy, anger, competition that is not healthy. And all of this is going to lead to dysfunctional relationships. But if you will submit to God's will, you could be blessed by the people that God is blessing. And also, you will find yourself just being at peace. Like, this is God's will. I can't fight it. I'm just going to submit to it. And if I do... I'm just going to let happen what happens because God is in charge. And until that happens, guess what? Until you can submit to God's will, your words to others can never be a blessing to them. You can't bring them back to Eden because you don't want them to. You want to tear them down because they're competition to you. You'll feel like everybody's stealing your birthright. This is our fourth point, your use of words. And by the way, so I got to say this. So, so we hear all the kids, and it's a beautiful thing. So this is, this is just a lesson, like a, a, a clear lesson. So we have words that we could speak to kids right now. Like we could get really mad that they're being loud or anything like that. And, and you know what that does? That could do something to them. Like we have to be patient with our kids. We have to be patient with each other. And we have to watch the words that we are speaking because they hold more weight than we realize. Okay, that was just a side point. So, but here's what I'm saying. You are an influencer over people. I'm not talking about like social media influencer. I'm talking about your words to the people who are in your life that see you as someone important to them. And you can speak words that bring them closer to Eden or words that bring them further from Eden. Now, how can you do that? I mean, because you're bringing them to Eden. Bring, Eden, Eden represents wholeness. How can, what are the words that you can speak that will bring people closer to Eden? The same exact words that Isaac should have been speaking to his family but did not. The word of God. See, these words that God has said is that Jacob is going to be the one who carries on the birthright. And if Isaac would have taken the responsibility as the head of the family and led his family through that and told Esau, look, look, son, look, buddy, I know this is hard for you, but God is going to bless you. This is his will, and he will bless you through your brother Jacob if you will just submit to this. And he, but he didn't do that. So this, this father Isaac failed to bring his family to God's word. We all need God's word. And it was Isaac's responsibility to bring God's people or Isaac's responsibility to bring his family first underneath God's word. So Cale was having, our, our middle child was having a, a bad night the other night. 
and he was feeling like he wasn't loving people like he should. And if you know Kale, like he's, he's just a good boy, like he really does love people. And so Elise said, no, Kale, you love people. You do. But it didn't work. He didn't feel like he did. So what I did is I went in and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tell him what God, God's word says. So I was like, you don't love people like you should. Sounds kind of rude, right? But I'm speaking, I'm telling him what God's word is saying. And so I said, look, we love only because God first loved us. And so I said, buddy, I don't love people like I should. I'm not even close. But my only shot comes when I realize God's love for me and I see it, like I get a vision of it, I get a glimpse of it, and I realize God loves me this much. And what happens is then God's love is put in me. And as his love is put in me, then it pours out of me to other people. So what we all need most first is to know that God loves us, and then we love others. Now, what is my point here? I went to God's word. I stopped searching for words that I could muster up myself, and I just said, God's word is God's word. It's far better to rely on God's word than to search for your own. And we have to stop searching for our own words to tell others. And we've got to know God's word so well that it just naturally, when our kids do something that make us mad or something happens, we just know God's word and we know what to speak to them like that. You have here in this the ability to shape people's character more into who they are made to be and to give them the words that lead them towards Eden. It's all here. You have to stop trying to muster up the words yourself. They're not there. They're here. And you have a responsibility to your kids or anybody that you have influence over to know this so well that this naturally comes out of you and you speak God's word to them. And husbands and fathers... The Bible tells us that you are the head, like you're the head of the family. It is your responsibility to take God's word and bring it into your family. That was Isaac's job and he failed at it. Don't be like Isaac. God's words are the words that we need to hear more than any other words. So here's our fifth point, the need for words. So Jacob is a mess. And he's a mess... Because he is longing to hear from his father that he is worthy. But he's not hearing it. And he's going his whole life knowing that he's number two to Esau. And he longs to hear these words of blessing from his father. The words of the birthright. The words that he's worth it. Like, you're worth it, son, to, be, to represent us. He's longing for it. And it finally comes. He's sitting before his father dressed up like Esau. And his father finally speaks the words he's been longing to hear. And he gives him the blessing. And he says, you're worthy to carry on the name. You're worthy to be called my son, my firstborn son. You're worthy of it. And for a split second, he probably loves it. And then he realizes there's a problem. He's dressed up like Esau. And then he would know that his father spoke those words not to him, he spoke those words because he was thinking he was Esau. And many of you are doing the same thing. You're pretending 
to be someone you aren't so that you can hear the words of blessing and love and acceptance from the people around you. You're pretending to be someone you're not. Maybe you've chosen a career to make your parents happy because you just don't want to disappoint them. Or maybe you're, you're covering up yourself with so much makeup because you don't want people to, to see whatever. What is it? It's called contouring or something, right? You're trying to look like someone you're not. It's contouring. Yes, I got it. Or, or maybe your friends know nothing about you, the real you, because you're so scared of them knowing who you really are and rejecting you. There's nothing more fearful. There's nothing, like, such, it feels like such a loss to be known and rejected. But your great hope is to be known and loved, but you're scared. And you're having, maybe in your discipleship group, you're having an impossible time confessing your sins because you're so terrified of what people would think of you if they knew. You're in hiding. The same way Adam and Eve were in hiding when they sinned. So how do you finally come out? How do you finally come out of the hiding? You need your birthright back. Here's how. You have to hear the words from your greater father who is in heaven, the father who is greater than Isaac, and you have to hear the words that from him that you so long to hear. And you've got to hear it from him because he is the one who holds more power, more authority over any other voice that could possibly be spoken to you. The words of Christianity will heal you of all the scars that you have. All the wounds that you have from words that have been spoken to you, they can be fixed, but you've got to hear it from the one who really matters most. The ones whose words count more than any other words. Your Father in heaven. And here's what God's word says. Here's, this is the gospel, the good news. First thing it does is it tears you down a bit. Let me tell you what I mean. The same thing I did to Kale. I tore him down a bit. I was like, no, you don't love people like you should. It's this truth that makes us realize actually for everybody none of us are who we're made to be right now it's this tragic story that we have fallen from who we are meant to be but it deals with reality but then it speaks words of truth that are words of hope christianity then speaks once you're torn down it speaks words deep into your soul that you so long to hear the same exact words that the Father in heaven speaks over his Son at his baptism, where the Father in heaven says, you are my Son with whom I am well pleased. And it's important that he calls you his Son, like his firstborn Son, because that the firstborn Son is the one who gets the portion, the birthright. Now let me tell you what happens with Jesus. By faith, he shares his birthright with you. And that means when the Father in heaven looks down and sees you, he sees you and loves you with the same intensity of love that he has for his son who was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He looks at you with the same amount of pride that he looks at his son who did everything he asked him to do. It's all credited to you. But it's not credited to you like, oh, he sees Jesus when he looks at me. He sees you as his firstborn son 
with whom he is well pleased because of your faith in Christ, it is all credited to you. He didn't earn it. It was a gift that's been given, but it's real. He looks at you in your eyes as if you're the only person in the room, and he says to you, you are my beloved, and in you I am so well pleased. No matter what you think of yourself, no matter what others think of you, there are words that are more powerful, there are words that hold more authority, and those are the very words of God. And he's restored your birthright that brings you back to Eden. You are his son, and he's very well pleased with you. Let those words stir in your heart and set you sail back to the place you long to be, Eden. And let those words, you are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased, let them be a blessing to you. Because that's what they are. All right, I'm praying. Father, we do pray that we would hear the words that we need to hear right now. And you know, each and every person in here specifically, you know the words specifically that they need to hear you know the wounds that they have and you know the, the healing that is done when they hear from you that, they, that you are pleased with them and that you love them and you accept them no matter what because of their faith in Christ. So I pray, God, that you would restore us to you. That you would bring us back. In our search for Eden, give us the words that we long to hear. Words of truth, words of the gospel, words of this message that we are loved, even though we have not loved you. And that love that you have for us changes us, changes our character, but changes our destiny. Help us, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.